condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Stop Talk Radio, the world for people who think. Welcome to Shot Talk Radio. I'm Joe Quinn. Uh, with me in the studio are my co-hosts this week, uh, Neil Bradley. Hello. Uh, Jason Martin. Hello. And Juliana Barlembuim. Hello. Uh, this week we are talking about, uh, well, partly about diabetes and other modern illnesses. Uh, diabetes is, as probably many people know, uh, it has kind of reached epidemic proportions in, in the world today. Millions of people worldwide suffer from type 2 diabetes. Up to one-third of the world's population is pre-diabetic. Um, diabetes is caused by disturbances in the metabolism of a hormone called insulin, and it is a serious illness affecting the whole body and leads to many compl- complications, even premature death. Our guest this week, who we'll be talking to you very shortly, is Dr. Antti Hekala. Uh, he is a surgeon and orthopedic and traumatology specialist at Ada Hospital in Helsinki in Finland. Uh, he strongly criticizes the current treatment for diabetes that is based on the use of a large amount of insulin as well as a diet low in fat and high in carbohydrates. According to Dr. Hekala, this officially recommended treatment worsens the condition by confusing insulin metabolism even more. Insulin is not harmless, it is a poison and excess amounts cause much damage in the body. So, uh, welcome to the show, Dr. Hekala. Am I pronouncing your surname right? Yes, you do it. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah. Um, can we call you Dr. Auntie? Yes, you can call that... me, or Auntie. I, I, I hate this uh, doctor name. <laughs> yeah, you don't like the doctor name? <laughs> Although you are, you are a doctor. Are you still practicing? Yes, yes, I'm, yes. But, but, or if we think uh, the uh, British way, they call surgeons Mr. That's right, yes, okay, you'll be Mr. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't matter. Okay, I'm on. Okay. You've been in practice for some 40 years? Yeah, 43 years now. Now, when I started the early 70s, and seeing what has coming and going in medicine, and, you know, some years this is fashionable and that next year it's not and so it's not science in that sense it's 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 i think it's it's a kind of uh, i don't know i call it madness in a way because what counts in the medicine is it's it's practice a clinical work and clinical experience not the real science which is very limited amount of knowledge what really happens with between patient and uh, and doctor Oh, and that's why I always criticize that this scientific-based medicine, which is, I, I think it's illusion and it supports only only big pharma and so, so on, but, but not the patient's interest. Wow. Well, we don't often hear that from a doctor. So fair play to you for just saying it as it is. You must be fed up, though. You do, you do kind of sound like you're partly fed, fed up with all the the lies and and the BS that comes with the way in which medicine has been 
like you say, is effectively controlled by big pharma. Yeah, nowadays it's uh, it's uh, the big change happened in 1980s when Reagan's Reagan was a president. So everybody, you know, the whole medicine was given to hands of the big pharma. I mean, the basic medical studies are financed by the big pharma. So it's the same thing that do you believe a used car, car dealer in the same issue, you know, whatever yeah. they're telling, you know. Yeah, and exactly. Mm-hmm. I've always said that things got significantly worse with Reagan. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it was a big change, you know. Mm-hmm. They lost the control of the, I mean, it's, they came some kind of upper level, level of secret society, I, I call it, because who decided what is the fashionable and what is not. Mm-hmm. There was no discussion anymore, no debate, no, you know, conversation. It's, they gave us recommendation like, uh, like, you know, the Pope in the Rome. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. you have to follow them. Otherwise, you get prob- problems. You know? Well, yeah, otherwise you get struck off as yeah. a doctor. How have you managed to cope with both saying the truth as it is and giving patients real advice and still being a doctor? Yeah, you know, it's, I'm a, a bit a strange fellow, you know, I, I, I quit the operations in that sense that I was specialized in the, in the back surgery mm-hmm. in 70s and 80s, you know, it was a tremendous, you know, uh, new technology that uh, we can manage these uh, accident uh, patients with the spinal damage and so on. I, I was working with that side, but you know, then I was stuck with the pain surgery, which is nonsense, you know, mm-hmm. because I saw that these uh, lay people, we call them uh, bone setters, got much more better results than we doctors. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I started to think it's new way and I, I studied these methods with these manipulation methods and I found it's very, very good way to treat back patients, pains. And then I w- went to see my professor and I said, listen, I have a new idea how, to, how, how, how we have to treat these patients in the hospital. And he said to me, damn, Mr. Heikkila, don't ever speak about this issue here anymore. Wow. So that was the turning point of myself, and I was thinking that I don't want to stay here anymore and play golf with these idiots. So I left the hospital. <laughs> I started to do other things, but then I started to, you know, write books and tell the people about about you know how they can treat themselves by natural way and so on, you know. But you know, it's I'm very well known here, and people like me. But I have to say that I'm very competent. I, I get good results, so they can't touch me in that sense, you know. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, it's, uh, I give on the advice, and that's very inspiring, you know, talking with people, you know. The most of the problems what people are, they are more or less psychosomatics, you know, like pains and all these miseries in the mind and so on. And, you know, they treat with uh, chemicals, this kind of thing. I think it's, it's nonsense. Always, I compare it 
the human mind and body like you know it's a computer you know in a way i i don't you know accept that people like machines but that's the you know way to think about it, mm-hmm. how it works i always say to my patients that you know it's nothing wrong with your hardware it's the software <laughs> we have to fix it mm. um so they can understand it's a more functional the problem. So yeah. if they change their diet or change their habit to, you know, make yoga or exercises, so that's you get much more better results than using only operation and pills. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Auntie, why did you, uh, I mean, your book, um, we didn't actually mention uh, your book, uh, but you've written a, a very good book. It's it's quite short, but it's very succinct and to the point. Um, yeah. And uh, it's called Nutrition Therapy for Diabetes, and right now it's available on Kindle on Amazon yeah. um, for people to, to buy. It's a very easy and very good read. Um, but it, it deals mostly with diabetes, and if you could just talk a little bit about why you focus on diabetes and what diabetes is, because <clears throat> I think a lot of people tend to think that diabetes is just an illness, illness in itself. Um, and that it's, you know, it's just you deal with it with insulin injections and, and that's it. But it's it's implicated in many other very serious conditions that often uh, lead to death and uh, or, or perhaps uh, diseases, modern illnesses and modern diseases that have the highest kind of uh, take the highest toll on people in the in the, especially in the Western world. But first, of, first of all, you know, it's uh, when I started this business, you know, it's. You know, you didn't see diabetics so much as today. It's an enormous change. And the second thing is, when I started this doctor work, in those days, it was normal procedure, reduced carbohydrates among all diabetics. Right. The change came in in 1980s when they started to tell the people that now they don't have to follow the difficult diet, they said. Mm-hmm. You can eat everything, even sugar, if you take your pills right. and medication and injections. And I found it is a very, very stupid thing. It's the same that if you are allergic, for example, tomatoes. Eat tomatoes if you take your cortisol. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, Diabetes is nothing mysterious. I mean, a human race is not used to eat so much sugar and carbohydrates. How they, how much they are putting in the in their self today, you know. Mm. And that's why it's it's during you know the life process. It's it's going to be some point that you know your body cannot handle this amount of the, that uh, sugar so it's it's so it's the, that's the diabetes but you can reduce the disease by reducing the amount of the sugar uh-huh. and it's very very simple that's why i write so clearly as i can for lay people that if you reduce your amount of sugar you will get healed, but it doesn't go away, but you have to stay with the diabetes the rest of the life, but you can re- live normal life. And it's, uh, you know, all these 
laboratory analysis, they, they normalize when you have this kind of diet. And that's why I wanted to spread the word that people have start this type of the, uh, di- uh, diet so it's, it's easier to handle. I have a lot of feedback about the people I have never seen. They have read my book, started the diet, and lost about 40 kilos of the weight and get rid of the old medication and living normal life. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. You know, they have done it by themselves without no white coats, specialists around them. And it is. It's, it's, it happens very quickly, very fast when you start with this kind of procedures. So it's, that's why I wrote simple, short book, not not a big novel. <laughs> yeah. And um, what about the the claim that it, there's a strong genetic component in diabetes? Many people say, well, I, I, diet is not going to be important because my father had it, and therefore I'm diabetic too. Is there anything yeah, you can tell us about that? Yeah, that's the point, you know. It's about the North Europeans people. They have found out that about more than 50 at probably 60% of the people have some kind of genes which are giving risk to getting diabetics. Mm-hmm. But so what? It doesn't matter. But you, if you choose the right type of the food, you never get the illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's in the future when we know more about these epigenetics and how, you know, handle with the genes, you know, we can make your individual diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I found that's, it. Uh, that's I mean that's I see in the future. But it, it, what I have been experienced here in the country, I mean in Finland or North Scandinavia, and so the people are very prone to get diabetes. I think in the state the same thing, you know. So it's uh, I keep to advice if your family has had diabetes, so it's better you to start this type of type of a diabet- diet so you can be healthy all your life. And this is very, very interesting what you're saying because uh, recently we've uh, been recommending a book. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Gabor Mate's book, When the Body Says No. Yes, I, I, I've, I've seen it but not read, read it. So, uh-huh. Well, one like of the things he says is that you, uh, you inherit the genes but not the disease. And that's yeah. something that a lot of people don't take into account. They think that, well, if I have the genes, then therefore there's nothing to do. But what you're saying is you can have the genes, you can never develop the disease if you combine uh, a good diet, preventing, uh, yeah. stopping from yourself from eating certain things, plus the emotional aspect, because you mentioned the psychosomatic side. Yeah. So that brings, I think, a lot of hope to many people. But on the other hand, what happens when the disease has been um, in the body for a long time? Say a person has had diabetes for 20 years, and then suddenly they meet you. Uh, is there any? Is there a lot of hope for them? Is there something you can revert completely? I have very good experience about about uh, uh, diabetes type two with this, you know, even those people have had 10, 10, 20 years of diabetes, you know, they can get healed about with this type of procedures. 
And also with uh, diabetes 1, they, they get a lot of good results, less insulin and steady blood sugar. And so it's, I mean, it's, uh, that's the, I think this is the basic diet for the most of the people nowadays, you know. Yeah. Eating sugar is, is dangerous, as, you know, John Yudkin said in the 70s. But they crushed him because it was against the big business. Hmm. Yeah, I find it very interesting that when you said that uh, years ago in the 70s, the standard uh, yeah. treatment for diabetics was to cut out carbs or cut yeah, them way down. Yeah, that was, you know... But they changed the system in late 80s and so on. It's, it's amazing that that, because today uh, no doctors uh, appear to be uh, aware at all that that was ever a treatment for diabetes. Because if, you, if you're if you a diabetic and you go to the doctor, uh, he's not going to tell you anything about cutting our carbs. You know, I've always said that the doctors are not intellectuals. They read a lot and try to follow the rules, but they don't think, they don't make any more, you know, conclusions about the reality of what happens among the patients. They mm-hmm. follow the rules. And I, I mean, it's that, that's a crushing system in, in the future, you know. It's, it's, it's manipulated outside. In the past time, you know, it's the normal procedure was that I asked the patient, how are you? If she said, that he is better, that's a good sign. He said it's not good, so it's something to do. But if you go to doctor nowadays and they find out that you have a little bit high cholesterol and they put into statins and in mm-hmm. a couple of weeks, the old guy, you know, cannot walk, you know, and comes to the doctor and says, listen, it's impossible to walk. It's the legs are hurting and muscles are painful and so on. But the doctor says this, you have to take this medication because it's a recommendation nowadays. Mm. At that time, I mean, it's nonsense, you know. Yes, you know, really fast. Go ahead. Yes, I mean, it's um, the basic task for the doctors is relieve the suffering, not to increase it. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's really sad because doctors are not even aware, I think, of the fact that they're following orders that, like you say in your book, they were political decisions to begin with. They're not uh, decisions made based on experience, on listening to the patients and getting real results, but it's just a political decision in, uh, that favors pharmaceuticals. And the doctors seem to be convinced that they're doing the right thing by telling you, like you, like in the example you just gave, keep taking this statin, right? Yeah, that's true. And it's, 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 I think it uh, should be a co- common knowledge about what happened in, during the rules of the Reagan and so on, what, they, what kind of decisions they make in states. And, you know, I don't know if you are aware about it, but, for example, in Scandinavia, we are following the United States rules here strictly. But if you go to Paris in the France or, or in Germany, they have own rules. You know. That's the old traditional way of treating pa- patients. And they don't follow these ultra-scientific recommendations as 
they, they say from FDA that we have to do it. But since we are a small country, you know, that's, they have adopted this system here. And I think it's, 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 a, it's a very, very bad thing here. It's, you know, it sucks our national health economy down, you know, because it's bloody expensive also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry to throw you into a little bit more despair, but I know that in France, big pharma rules also. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> the same. More here, yes. But um, it, yeah, I know they are. They have started a big business there. But but in Germany, even though it is very very chemical oriented society, but you know, in the normal doctor works, they don't use so much medicine as we do here or in the states. And mm-hmm. there is a two two kind of practicing also in France. They just take it easy in, in the in the in traditional way, but they are highly oriented modern doctors who use all kind of uh, high tech systems and medications. I think it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a bad religion. It's not not science, but yep. religion is money. Absolutely, yeah. They. I just, I just wanted to give some, uh, just to kind of backtrack a little bit so that people, you know, know what we're talking about, some statistics yeah. on diabetes. Um, this is from uh, the American Diabetes Association, and according to them, there are t- almost 26 million <clears throat> children and adults in the United States. That's uh, almost 9% of the population have diabetes. Um, and 79 million people, which is more than a quarter, almost 30% of the American population have pre-diabetes. Uh, and just to... Uh, um, also, there's over 25% of seniors in the U.S. have diabetes. But um, just to, to give an example of uh, what I was saying earlier, that diabetes is not an isolated kind of uh, condition, that um, it's, the complications from diabetes include heart disease and stroke, uh, there's various statistics on that where uh, heart disease was noted on 68% of diabetes-related death certificates. Uh, it's also high blood pressure. 67% had high blood pressure. Blindness is associated with diabetes. Um, uh, in 2005 to 2008, 4.2 million people, or 28.5%, with diabetes aged 40 or older had diabetic retinopathy. Uh, there's also nervous system disease and even amputation which is a statistic on amputation, is that more than 60% of non-traumatic lower limb amputations occur in people with diabetes. So this is not just a, a situation where someone has diabetes and they have to take insulin. This is a, 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 pre, a precursor. Uh, diabetes is a precursor to, to many other much more serious illnesses that ultimately end in, in death for a lot of people. Yeah, it's, I think it's a pretty much same here also. I mean, it's the statistics. But uh, but what I've been been thinking lately, I mean, it, uh, after receiving so much uh, uh, feedback about the people that uh, I think it's all accounts to diet. If if somebody gets diabetes, the another can have a heart disease, and the third can have a kind of uh, neurological disease, dementia or Alzheimer or something, and the fourth can have a cancer. For example, the cancer and sugar is connected 
connected and uh, diabetes and cancer is connected and sugar, high sugar levels is connected with the heart disease. So you get a kind of a cross reaction in all around. Mm-hmm. And I have seen that. I have put these people on this type of di- diet and they, they have got a lot of help about it. And it's, uh, that's, that's an amazing thing. But I, I go back into history. There was another guy I, I mentioned, John Hitkin, professor in London, professor in the 70s. And there was a big argument about with Americans and, and British people which causes the heart disease. And the Americans said that's the animal fat. And Judkin collected a huge amount of information about the sugar. And he found out that the sugar is the key point. And now, you know, Obama's regu- uh, Obama has changed his policy against the sugar. So sugar is coming up and being the next enemy. And they forget the fat because the sugar, if you eat sugar, it's, you get sugar spikes, even though you don't have a diabetes. It, the sugar bites goes high in your blood and fall temporarily, and then you push the insulin, which goes down. But these sugar spikes damages the inner layer of arteries. And if it goes on, you know, that's the cause of your sclerosis and so on. Mm-hmm. And that was shown by the John Yudkin. And he calculated how much you have to eat the sugar. He said that 100, 120 grams of sugar increase your risk to get heart attack or die into heart disease 10 times as the people who don't eat sugar at all. And what is 100? 20 grams of sugar. It's a big one chocolate plate. Mm-hmm. So if you take, for example, at the morning, you know, now they push in all the food, sugar and sugar and sugar, because they have replaced the uh, fat with the sugar. If you take, uh, take, for example, at the morning, fruit yogurt, it gives you a 20 or 30, 30 grams of sugar, but you don't taste it. And that means that about five to six teaspoons of sugar in your coffee. No one can eat, drink that. It's too sweet. But if they put in a little fat and that's white stuff, which mm-hmm. they call milk, mm-hmm. you don't taste it. And then you, if you take the fruit, fruit uh, juice and it gives you 20 grams. So you get 40 or 50 grams of sugar in the morning. And if you go at lunchtime and take some kind of, uh, uh, I mean, it, that's uh, how you call it, uh, some sweet, for example, a piece of so- chocolate or something, and you get 60 grams. So by this method, you get 100 grams of sugar a day. And, you know, everybody used that. And that's the one co- reason for this epidemic nowadays, because the food has been spoiled. Mm-hmm. It's not natural anymore. Because they destroy the food, taking the fat away and putting sugar in it. So otherwise it doesn't taste at all. But if they put the sugar, people <coughs> buy it. That's, I mean, it's, that's the key point nowadays. 
Yeah, and that's, um, uh, once again, we come back to a very recent change because, um, as Nora Gagoda says in Primal Body, Primal Mind, have you read that one? Uh, yes, I, I, I know those books, yes. She's but. got some statistics there, and she says that in, um, as far as refined sugar goes in the U.S., and seven, in 1750, uh, people consumed four pounds of sugar per person per year. Then yeah. she moves on to 1850, 20 pounds per person per year. Yeah. And then in 1996, 160 pounds per person per year. That's huge. And now we're probably at what? 200, probably. 200 250 because of all the sugar <clears throat> added. So again, it's kind of recent. I mean, our genetics, our bodies haven't evolved to consume sugar. We were hunter-gatherers. We were eating uh, basically animals, animal fat and animal protein mostly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But but you know, it's uh, that's true. It, you know, it's it, it 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 it's a kind of nonsense to speak about only the genes. I mean, it's if you eat food tasted in human, it's the same thing that if you make a cat as a vegan, uh-huh. eat all. <laughs> so you have to use a lot of lot of medication to keep it that animal in life, you know. Yeah. Of course, cats' metabolism is based on animal food only. So it's a, it's the same question about the human. I mean, it's it's a, it's a normal have such kind of genes that makes us diabetic if we eat the sugar. It's not a disease itself. It's kind of tells us something about what kind of human race is. It's a no no idea to talk it more or change the genes, but we have to change the environment or food what we are eating. But you know, it's the big problem is the the strongest forces in, against us is the food industry, which is most powerful industry more than the military complex in the world nowadays. So they used, for example, in a, EU, common, you know, you know, the European Parliament wanted to change the food labels a little bit more informative. But the food industries, lobbyists, they used one billion of euros to fight, fight it against. And it was a minor thing, you know. <laughs> it's, you know, we are living in the world, you know, it's, it's, it's no use to speak sense to people who make decisions, I believe, on a kind of change and voting by feet. So that's why I contacted you, because I like your pages, you know, I'm a little bit anarchist in myself. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking on what he said, basically, this kind of symbiotic relationship between two parasitic organisms in the world, um, basically big agro, the agricultural businesses, and big pharma. And they seem to work off each other in the sense that uh, the agricultural business, the the big agricultural business, basically causes the problems that the big pharma business then basically attempts to suppress through medication, to suppress the symptoms through medication. And all the while, you basically have uh, modern academic science, modern sort of medical science, kind of acting like a late Catholic church 
yeah. trying to convince everybody, no, 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 the world's not round. Uh, no, 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 uh, we're the center yeah. of the universe, we swear. And yeah. all of these people are getting quite angry about this, and they're just sort of doing this, no, 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 it's not true, it's not true. And they're just serving the agenda, and they're, it's, just a, it's a symbiotic relationship between a group of parasites, basically, who are basically feeding off of the general population of the world. But you understand it's a genius business to steal money. Yeah. <clears throat> Not only that, but it may, they make us pay for the poison. Yeah. Because we yeah. gladly go to the supermarket yeah. and buy the food and then buy the drugs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, uh, uh, speaking about you know the food prices and uh, that's how they are. You know, to make the basic stuff in the market if you go there. If you go to market nowadays, you know, there's about 20% items that it's, it's some sense to be there, and 80% is uh, shit in mm-hmm. the market. <laughs> but, you know, the, they make it the biggest money with grains. And I got a farmer who had a keliakia, and it's a kind of a tra- tragic thing because he was, you know, he was a farmer, big farmer making grains. And he asked me that, do you know how much he gets from his grains, one ton of grains? I said, I don't have any ideas about it. And he said it's, he got about 140 euros per ton about. Huh. So then he asked me, do you, do you know how much a ton of bread costs when you go to shop? He spoke about terms in ton. Because he was farmer, big farmer. I said I don't have any ideas. That cost about six thousand euros. Huh. You can understand wow. <laughs> the difference if you take cheap grains and make the cereals, morning cereals, and so on, and label them and branded them. You know, you make a huge fortune yeah. without nothing. And you know, the self life is years. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's that's how they, you know, corrupt these uh, food studies and everything. They say that cereals are real healthy food. I said it's shit. It's <laughs> shit. The yeah. money. Yeah. Uh, Doctor uh, Antti, we have a we have a call here uh, from one yeah. of our listeners. So I'm going to go ahead and take it then. Hi, um, caller. What's your name? Where, where are you calling from? Uh, hi, my hi. name is Bahar, and I'm from the hi. Netherlands. Hi, Bahar. Hi, I, hello. Hello. Uh, I would like to ask Mr. Antti a question. Um, I know you're specialized in diabetes, but I wonder what your experience is with viral infections or genetic viral infections like herpes. Viral? Uh, herpes? Uh, yes. For example, you have um, herpes simplex which can occur in the yeah. eye or yeah. on the lips yeah. or in the brain yeah. even? Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's, uh, I've got quite good results with this diet. It's very important to reduce the sugar amount. Mm-hmm. And even in the ketogenic diet. So, and absolutely no grains because the gluten is the most devastating substance for the immune system. 
And the third thing is it's take, uh, take coconut oil. This, is, uh, this oil is a strange oil because it kills viruses. Okay. And you have that. to try this free thing, you know. I have got good results about with these procedures. Yeah. The, the coconut oil is it's very interesting in that sense that I have had patients which has had leukemia, kids leukemia. And, you know, there is a difficult task when they go to treatment and they destroy the uh, bone marrow and change the yes. whole whole system. And that's the time when, when the virus comes. Uh, the people dies with these virus infections. So the cocoa have got tremendous good results with only giving them the, this coconut oil. It kills back, uh, viruses. Okay. And they have survived these cases, you know. It's, yeah. uh, that's, it's simple. Not non-prescription, normal food. Yeah. Okay. How much do you normally recommend? Excuse me. How much do you recommend your patients to take in those cases? Coconut oil. I mean, it's a, in every case, but but you have to think it's what is the problem. You know, if the problem is the virus infection, the, the coconut is, is the best choice. But I think these patients has always sensitivity to gluten, so you have to leave the gluten away. Mm -hmm. And if okay. the, the gluten we are talking talk, talking about the grains, the gluten is a big big issue nowadays. Okay. Um, and and also, Go ahead, Bohan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, if, uh, if you speak up, speaking about the virus infection, infection, that means that you have weak immune system, and, and the gluten is something which makes it weak. So you have to you have okay. to leave it. Um, uh, yes, I I don't eat uh, gluten or even dairy. Um, yeah. And that, that I do notice that it helps me to a certain extent to control uh, my condition. Um, one thing that I'm worried about is that uh, the eye doctor has prescribed steroid drops to um, yeah. tackle the inflammation. And I wonder what your experience is with steroids. No. Steroid is only... Medication for for symptoms. It's not affecting the real cause. But uh, I mean, it's, you have to think about it differently. You have to better your immune system by diet. Okay. Yeah. That's so. So, so how much uh, coconut oil would you suggest the person put in their diet? How much how much oil should they be eating? I mean, it's uh, adults needs about. Uh, one to three spoons spoons a day that's uh -huh. okay uh -huh. I mean it's uh, and it's a very effective if you have uh, Alzheimer you know if you give grannies a one or two spoons of the coconut oil you know they get excited and start to walk and uh -huh. remember <laughs> things you know I've got good results for that because another point uh, Alzheimer's, they say it's a 
kind of uh, diabetes also because that's a work in the brain cells but another alternative to give energy for brain cells is a, it's a, it's a keto things keto ketosis uh-huh. so it's a keto thing in, in your blood it's it's really a, is there is there anything uh, other than is there anything other than it, that's um, the normal pressure for Alzheimer or dementia? Is there anything other what? than coconut oil that uh, you can take for antiviral uses or immune system support? Not, not I, I don't know anything else. I mean, it's a, it's a, okay to use amount of all kind of medication, but this is a, this is tremendous effective I've seen in the practice. You know. It's simple and no side effect on everything. And why not try it first? You know? Mm-hmm. But okay. it, it's a complex. Have you been trying coconut oil? It's a virus infection. I. Who? At Bahar, I think. Yeah, Bahar. Have you been trying coconut oil? Um, I tried coconut oil a couple of years ago, and I got really nauseous because of it. Mm-hmm. So, I have tried uh, recently coconut milk, and that seems to be okay with me. So I was thinking about maybe that I'm uh, sensitive to coconut, or maybe mm-hmm. I should try the oil again and maybe try with uh, smaller amounts. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, stacked over the day might be good. Yeah, smaller amount. Yeah, yeah. a smaller amount. Okay. But but I have seen that people who are not in the low carb. Uh, diet, you know, they get uh, symptoms about the coconut oil. If huh. you are in low carb, you get you get better off with the coconut oil. Okay. Okay. All I'll right, Bahar, is that it? it? Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot. Yeah. All right. Thanks for your call. Bye and good luck. Bye. Um, Doctor Auntie, I was just I'm just uh, looking through your book here, and you, uh, I just wanted to go back to something. Uh, Towards the beginning of your book, we talk about uh, uh, you published a book. You published your book, in, I suppose, in Finnish in uh, in 2000, 2008. Yeah. And as soon as it was published, the Finnish Medical Journal attacked you. Yeah, it was a it's a funny funny thing that that uh, they had in in first there was a female colleague in Sweden who published in the net this same, similar type of advice for diabetics. And they make complaint about her. But their government office studied the case and said that it's a normal treatment of the diabetes in Sweden, using the low-carb diet. So that was okay. But when I published the book in Finland, in you if if also complain that they have you know probably they get exposed in a way that that they have hidden this information from the patients so mm-hmm. so they made a that's a thing differently first they sent a letter to all bookstores and warned the bookstore keepers that my book is dangerous mm-hmm. so they get mad they took my book but 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 that's that's silly but that, that's how they act you know 
the basic evil is the Finnish Diabetic Association, which is which is extension of the American Association here mm-hmm. in Finland. They want that no one. They don't want to have any 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 other interference their business. Yeah. But in, in the medical journal, they they crashed my book. Yeah. But the strange thing for that, I replied, but they didn't publish it. And that's why I get mad and I resign to association. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can understand. I mean, it's pure censorship. And it's interesting what you yeah. say, that the, uh, while they attacked your book and tried to stop it from being sold in bookstores, they didn't want to... Yeah. Uh, take it to appeal to the authorities or take an official kind of complaint yeah. against okay. what was in your book because, as you say in your book, they um, a similar process had had, had t- pursued that uh, that avenue in uh, in Sweden, and uh, a Swedish doctor um, had proposed a low carbohydrate diet for diabetics, and that she yeah. published she published the information on a popular website, <clears throat> yeah. and the nutritionist complained to the authorities about her and demanded yeah. that they cancel her license. Uh, but when they investigated, they found out that there was nothing wrong, that in fact there was evidence that the low-carbohydrate diet was uh, beneficial for diabetes. So they didn't take this action against you because they had learned in Sweden that this would simply uh, yeah. get the opposite, achieve the opposite of what they wanted to, which was uh, confirming <coughs> that low-carbohydrate diet is good for diabetes, for, for preventing her. So that's why I contacted you, you know, it's, it's better to get some support from abroad. Yeah, oh well, yeah. It's important to remember that the, the, the church made, you know, Galileo retract his statements, you know, and it's where the whole quote, et pur si muove, I mean, comes from. And it's kind of the same situation, you know. The, the academic authority, you know, goes around making people retract or, you know, hide or conceal or, or be afraid to publish their findings, but yet it moves. There's, you know, there's, there's no way around it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, in a way, we are in, in the similar stage, uh, situation nowadays, but the arguments are different. But, but I, I, I compare this, this situation, it's a, if you, I don't know how old you are, but, but if you remember the IRA, Iran, was a leader named Ayatollah Khomeini. Mm-hmm. And he used to say that the Western world is the hands of Satan. <laughs> and he was right. I mean, it's, uh, used to, we used to have a Jesus Christ in the Western world, but, but now it's uh, written in the dollar bill and said, in God we trust it's money. And mm-hmm. whatever we do, it's, it's uh, only what counts is com- economical sound. Right. And I think it's it's it's, it's a kind of fascism in the way, you know, yeah. because the people must go first and then come to economics. Well, what I find is interesting, based on that statement, is that um, Satanism, the religion in America, what's called Levian Satanism, is essentially yeah. taken from an author named Ayn Rand, who yeah. is admittedly the basis of the the conservative philosophy in America, the neoconservative philosophy in America. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's interesting that you say that because in a certain sense, they exactly are Satanists. I mean, admittedly, um, yeah. it's, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, we are living in interesting times, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's but the Chinese it's a, curse. 
Yeah. <laughs> May you live in interesting times. Well, th- yeah, yeah, but 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 I mean it's uh, it's it's but uh, thanks for the internet and this uh, you know the way to spread the word around the around the world. It's it's I mean it's it's revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Indeed, I mean on our news page salt.net, I mean substantially we're tackling the the big lies that are told. Mm-hmm. In terms of politics and economics, but these things cut across all areas. I mean, the big lie is is, is as much of a lie in as something as simple as your breakfast. Well, what's so interesting about what you and him have been saying about, you know, thank God for the Internet and all this stuff, um, the fall of, of, you know, world religion and in the West. Harold did oh, sorry. When, oh. Yeah, sorry, we dropped the line there. Yeah. The fall of, of the, the control of the church was heralded by the printing press and the ability to disseminate the, the, the ideas of natural philosophers at the time. And today yeah. we have the same situation where the proliferation of the Internet is allowing a lot of independent researchers who are not part of a kind of an academic inquisitorial church yeah. body to yeah. disseminate ideas to people, which is kind of in the same sense the combat that, that can be fought right now against this sort of dogmatic, uh, this elite scientific, you know, uh, oppression that's going on in medicine specifically yeah. and also yeah. in all other sciences, physics and the whole gamut is, is ruled by a kind of elite academic church doctors. I mean, they even yeah. call themselves doctors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, it's interesting, you know. It's that that stimulates me <laughs> to struggle, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because what counts in my work is it's clinical experience. I I always follow the ideas by the patients, and I can change my ideas what I see in the different thing in, in the patients. And I mean, is that's the real reality, and to see how how it goes in the patients, not. Not something, I mean, high-level knowledge, which what whatever it is, it's very very down to earth thing. What I am doing, but yeah. In your book, you describe uh, how some part of the way in which you changed your approach to helping people was to start listening to them. Yeah, that's which true. Doctors don't do. They are they are absolutely right. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, the only thing it's learned to get them talk, you know, it's the people are very shy to talk about the, the very intimate things and so on. I'm a little bit strange fellow. I, I when I I touch the people, I handle them, and I, more more or less when they have a pains, I manipulate them. I talk to them. I talk to how they are doing in the families and work and whatsoever and. So I like to open them because if you touch the patient and ask about how is your life, it's very, very strong thing. Even though it doesn't respond in that spot, but when he comes the next time, he will tell you. He started to think about his life, and now it's this kind of things is very, very heavy in his life and so on. So it's a kind of... A, Psychotherapy, <laughs> how you call it, and yeah. I always, always, 
I study what kind of medication they have, and I take all normally all the medication away. I I used to diet, and uh, you know, and I activate to do the things because the most of the medication what the people are now eating is needless. They don't need. They are they are using them only for symptoms. They are not for healing. There's uh-huh. no no any kind of medicine, medic, medicine which heals itself. Even the antibiotics, they help you, but if you don't have the power itself, you know, you, you will die, you know, anyhow. They yeah. support your recovery, but never heals anything. And that's, you know, I always point that issue to patients that they can realize that there's a waste of the money and waste of the health eating this these med- medications because they don't help at all. Yeah, For yeah. example, I'm specialized with the pains, you know. It, it's horrible how they drug the people with pains, you know. They use such kind of pains. You know, in the street, the police catch the people to selling the, which are much more safer than, than the, what their <laughs> doctors are prescribing. Um yeah. Three pushers are doctors nowadays. You know? Yeah, drug pushers. Um, I mean, if if you think about this oxycontin and all this stuff, it's it's horrible thing. Mm. And you know, if, I have a lot of patients, and now it's in Europe, it's possible to get uh, get cannabis, but mm-hmm. you get it in, from Holland. So I write prescriptions to Holland, and people travel there. Oh yeah. <laughs> when they get them. Prescription about the cannabis, you know, they can come here, but mm-hmm. it's no deal to write it here, you know. They don't get it here, yeah. you know. You get problems with the police if you have cannabis. It's, it's nonsense. And I, I look at the American statistics, I'm the death statistics, and there was a special mention about the cannabis the last year. There was no zero death of the cannabis in America, 350 million people. So it's the most safest drug would we have. Yeah. Even 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 the aspirin, it kills. They have estimated that in Finland, they kill up, we have five around 5 million people. They kill about 200, 300 people a year. Yeah. That reminds me of a, a sketch from Cat Williams where he says, you know, nobody has ever died from an overdose of marijuana, but if you take too many aspirin, you'll die. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but it's, a, it's, a, it's a, and that's they call science. I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I just can't understand the, the logic, you know. Well, uh, like you said before, the logic is about money. And as you say in your book, for example, obesity, you know, um, there's obviously a lot of, there's a lot of uh, news and medical research into obesity, and uh, particularly yeah. in the U.S., but also in Western Europe, that's a high level of obesity among people. And um, you say that obesity has, has become an obsession among health professionals, that while, yeah. write, or that while writing your book, the American Medical Association came to a decision that obesity, obesity is a disease. Yeah, and, that's, that's nonsense. You know, it's a symptom. It's nothing to do. It's, a, it's not the end. It, the disease itself, you know, it's, I mean, it, they mix the ideas into medicine, and that's 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 really, really frightening in the future, you know. 
Yeah, you say. I mean, but again, you explain it. You explain it in your book, and you've explained it here that um, you say that the current trend in medicine is to make each symptom an independent disease, yeah, which can then be treated with a different drug, and not just about selling drugs. So, like you yeah. said, they're, they're drug pushers, you know. They're yeah, yeah. It was not so long ago that when they mentioned in the in the in the mental side that they, uh, the independent thinkers are mad. You know, they have a uh, they are they are they are sick people. You know, they have a own diagnosis number for it. So we have we have to all you and me. We have to start to th- take some psycho drugs now. That's uh, that's uh, it's nonsense. It's, for example, shyness is a disease now. Shyness, you, know, you, <laughs> yeah. you are sure. That has a known own number for it, and take pills for it. And if yeah. you want to eat healthy, you're an orthorexic because you're obsessed with healthy habits. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the DSM four has that odd disease now. Now, if yeah. you, if you don't agree with authority, you have yeah. oppositional yeah. defiance disorder. Yeah. Oppositional yes. defiance. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, we are all together sick people. You know, we are. We don't agree with this, the mainstream. You know, it's, that's, that's. I mean, it's it's heresy. You know, it's that's basically what they're they're saying in a certain sense. They're saying that we're heretics, and yeah. we need to be put on the rack, or yeah. you know, put on the flames and and purged of our our heretical evil against the the mainstream science uh, that has come down. I don't know from where, and is the the in, in, inerrant word of the scientific God. Mm. And anyone who says anything against it or goes against it uh, needs to be burned at the stake. Uh, thankfully, right now, right now, it's uh, metaphorical and allegorical burned at the stake, meaning that they just sort of burn you in, in words. But uh, who knows if one day they really might start... Start putting people to the flame. But you know what really makes me angry, Doctor, is that um, from what you're saying, I mean, you're saying um, there is a way to cure these people yeah. with basically conscience, empathy, listening to them, you know, and treating the body not because of the symptoms that the patient is experiencing, but because but for the person as a whole, emotions, genetics, diet, everything together. Yeah. Now, there is, you can't say that there's only science uh, um, you know, the only science that has been produced is pro-pharma because there are independent studies that have shown over and over and over, for example, that stress is related to inflammatory hormones like uh, cytokines, which then can trigger an autoimmune disease, for example. So there is a science. It just gets so buried that even doctors and humans have lost Basically, their conscience, their their willingness to listen to each other, to get some, you know, basic logic. Your body's suffering. Your body's telling you something. Then treat it as a whole and don't give a pill to somebody who's in a struggle. And that has been lost. I mean, I think your patients must be the luckiest people in the world because there's no, there's not very many pa- uh, doctors who treat them like that. Yeah, it's... Uh... That's true that mind plays a greater role, and I, I am more aware about it. So it's, I read one study which was made in the holy place, Harvard Medical School, uh-huh. and it, it was handling with meditation and genes. And they found out that the people who meditated, they, they have 
better results closing these genes which are connected with the inflammation and, mm -hmm. and heart disease. It's yeah. not bad. So it's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, that's a, in that side, because the Harvard studies are more connected with Rockefeller and, and, and mm -hmm. medical industry and so on. But, but I don't know how come they have done this kind of study there. But, but it's really, I, I think it's, that's the real future in, in our health. The other uh, big issue uh, these days in terms of uh, people's health is uh, cholesterol, and you talk about it in your book as well, uh, yeah. the, the kind of myth around cholesterol and everybody taking uh, statins yeah. to reduce their cholesterol. Can you explain a little bit about what's going on with cholesterol and why everybody's so terrified of having high cholesterol? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, if you think about, in, as, uh, I mean, it's uh, using common sense about it. For example, when we, use the proteins as a fuel or in, in the build-up of the body's bodies. There comes a lot of nitrogen, which is harmful for the body, and it's, it's, it's made for urine, uric acid, and it goes away with urine. But cholesterol is different, you know. You lose cholesterol in your guts through the bile system. But it goes, comes back to the body. It's so valuable thing that, you know, the body sucks it from, back, uh, from the guts to back to circulation that uh, they use the cholesterol all the time because it's, it's, it's a vital for all cells. But now we, when we talk about the cholesterol, we have to, there's a big difference to cholesterol itself, and there is another thing is that these uh, lipoproteins, which carry carries the cholesterol into body uh, from the body to back to liver, mm -hmm. and they say that this lipoprotein LDL is harmful or bad cholesterol, which is not scientific. What tells somebody is bad, but they say that causes problems. They test on only that LDL amount, you know, because mm -hmm. statins lowers the LDL. Mm -hmm. It's a selective reductionism because you can divide the LDL in two parts. There is a big, big ball. I call them balls because they are ball forms, mm -hmm. like a football. Mm -hmm. And that's the type R. And there is a small ball, like a, a golf ball, small one. And in some situations, the small one, which is the type of B, can cause problems because it gets connected with the oxygen. Then it you know, can cause the problem. Mm -hmm. But how it gets oxygen? It gets because... Uh, it's filled also this lipoprotein, not only the cholesterol, but there's a lot of all kind of fats in it. Mm -hmm. But if you eat excess of the omega-6 fats, mm -hmm. which goes also in these balls, the cholesterol. And these are the fats which are very easily get oxidized because they are unstable. Like vegetable fats. 
Yeah, it's a bull fat. And when they get from from liver, they put ubiquinone and selenin it, you know, to protect and vitamin E to protect oxidic, you know, the, the fats to not to get oxide. But if you take the statins, it reduces the amount of the ubiquinone, so it goes around the body you know, like a time bomb, which can mm-hmm. get oxide. That's the thing. But if you use a lot of uh, antioxidants, you know, it's no harmful effect at all, because even though you have higher levels of the cholesterol, they are natural levels. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, the most of the heart attacks and the people who are brought into hospital, more than 75% has the lower amount of the cholesterol in their blood. Yeah. So it's it's not not connected with that uh-huh. thing at all. And you say in your book that uh, that they deliberately the pharmaceutical companies and you know medical associations deliberately try to confuse and complicate the issue about cholesterol and you even said that pharmaceutical companies employ mathematicians to write their papers. Yeah. A complex That's... math. Yeah, that's that's true, and the doctors don't know anything about the mathematics. Yeah. But it's it's if you think about the, you know the, this reductionism in the science. That, for example, if you take the body, the human body, and study it, and think about the cancer, for example, the breast cancer. It's in if we divide the person, you can divide in in for example, it's a breast, but you can divide in in the where it what kind of cancer it is, is it ductal cancer or whatever it is. Uh-huh. And then you can divide into cells, you can see those cancer cells. Even though you can go lower and divide the cells and see some proteins or, or molecules which are connected to cells. If you go to atom level, the whole disease disappears. Right. Like magic. So... What we know about all diseases, it's a kind of process or functional, how, how the whole system works. And nowadays, for example, we speak about the cancer, it doesn't come from any, whatsoever in any, any cells. It comes from the uh, stem cells. It comes from the stem cells because every tissue has a stem cells. And this transforms into the malignancy, and, and they start to create more and more cells. So what do you have to do with uh, these cytostats or radiation therapy? They can kill these new cells, but not the stem cells. So you can kill the, totally the whole uh, cancer away, but still there is cancerous stem cells which can create the new cancer. But what we have found out, and it shows that with nutrition, you can transform these stem cells back to normal cells. And that's fantastic. Hmm. And that's I use in my practice, you know, it's because I use this diet and these micronutrients for transforming the, the, these cancerous cells. And the very interesting substance is, is uh, turmeric, uh, which is uh, herb in, from, from India, for mm-hmm. example. 
but there is many others as well. And so when we are when we are going to back in the into the primary sort of what is the diabetes and what is the nutrition therapy, we have to somehow natural way interfere with the whole the system. I mean, it's, as I gave the example the reduction reductionism at, at when we go to atom level, there is no disease anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah, where did it go? Yeah, it's it's. The absurdity so we can of... improve the function or normalize the function, which is dis- disturbed somehow or something like that. And I think it's uh, it's what I've seen in patients. It's it's not the pollution around the world or something like that, but but it's the food what we are eating. That's that's the quality of the food. It's the, it's the utmost vital for everybody. And if you go out any anywhere, even to Paris, you know there is. 80% of the restaurants in the Paris now are shit. They offer, you know, bad quality food. Yeah. And it's all around, you know. And that's a big business. I mean, that makes us sick. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, and coming back to diabetes, it's, uh, it's the same thing that sugar is the fuel for cancer cells. And, and, I use with these patients ketogenic diets, and it's a good result I have got. You know, it's people who has repeated cancer. You know, it's they have recovered by by these diets. Yeah, the one thing I mean, your book uh, again. I just want to kind of uh, promote your book. It's um, nutrition therapy for diabetes, and it's a very good read, a very easy read, and people really should get it. And even I think it's more beneficial maybe a lot of our listeners understand these issues and you know know about the stuff that we're talking about but for people a lot of them i think and we have a chat room going and a lot of people are saying that they know people members of the family have diabetes so your book would be a very good book to actually give to uh, a family member who maybe isn't written into reading very complicated books or a lot of detail but because the 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 point you keep making over and over again is that in relation to diabetes, it's utterly ridiculous uh, for standard medical practice or doctors to uh, give people, tell people that they need to take insulin shots uh, yeah. uh, because they can't, they don't produce their own insulin, uh, rather than telling them that they should uh, stop eating the food that requires them to take insulin because insulin is released in your body to remove sugar from your blood. So the simple answer is stop putting so much sugar into your blood in the food that you eat. But yeah. it's, it's so simple and yet it's, it's mind-blowing to me that doctors can't even make that simple connection themselves. Yeah, and that's I, a crazy. I mean, it's, that's I think too, you know. It's, it's a funny, you know. I, I don't know. It's it's like a like a, cra- a mad movie, you know. This world, it no, is. It's, it's no sense at all. It's so simple that it makes me cry, you know. It, uh, what mm-hmm. I see in these patients, and that's my experience. That people are started to do these diets and and got to extremely good results, you know. It's, yeah. We you have know, uh, funny people. People like me, you know, it's, uh, because uh, the colleagues don't like me. But the people, if you go to food store, they come to see that uh, meet me and say, 
what do you think about can I buy this food or not that food? <laughs> it's so funny, you know. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, uh, I think it, you know, when if the people realize how simple it is, it, it could, be, uh, could be a real revolution. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, especially I've met a lot of middle-aged men been eating lot of medicines and scared about the death and carrying a lot of weight. And when they have recovered, they have been mad because they have been light all their lives. You mm-hmm. know? And they, this is a strong power, you know. And, you know, some of these people are in very high position in the society. I mean, it's, that's how it's going to change some, some things in the world. Because, I don't know, the Finnish temper, they are quiet people, but when they get mad, it's, you have to run. Yeah. Good. And, um, and that's, but what I try to point out, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, I recommend that everybody should try it, you know, it's, and see how it works. We have about uh, well several hundred people in the, in our discussion forum, and yeah. all of us here actually have tried this diet that you've mentioned several times, the ketogenic diet, yeah. uh, finding even better results than with the standard quote paleolithic diet. Yeah. Um, and we've recently had several people who have diabetes who have contacted us because yeah. they said exactly what you're saying. You know, I've had a huge uh, results with this diet. I'm thinking yeah. particularly of one uh, one of our forum members who reduced the quantity of insulin he's taken by half. Yeah. And uh, but on the other hand, you can see that people have been um, buried in propaganda. And and what I'm thinking mostly is about the famous ketoacidosis. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't mind, for for those yeah. listeners who may be hesitating. Uh, doctors have been telling them for years, be careful because, you know, <clears throat> sorry, you can't uh, eat too many fats because you'll get ketoacidosis or diabetes and ketoacidosis and stuff. And we know from our research and from our own experience, and I think you, you will agree, uh, fat is the ideal fuel for the brain and for the body. But yeah, what yeah. is this problem with ketoacidosis that makes people especially diabetics, afraid of trying a diet like the one you propose. Yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, that's the situation also here. They warn the people, but, you know, they have gradually lost the game, you know, because since 2008, when my first book came out, it, you know, there's tremendous amount of people have changed their habits and started the diet. I mean, it's, this is a field with the knowledge this country nowadays, and they don't believe those doctors. I have been in TV also, but I get sick and tired of the system. But uh, but I was arguing with the health authorities, but they scared me <laughs> because I know so much. They don't know anything. They are bureaucrats. So it's uh, I mean it's uh, it's it's going to change step by step when one started the diet and gets the results and that's it and he or she tells another and so on you know but could you explain exactly what the difference is between ketoacidosis and healthy 
ketosis? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the the difference is so that everybody has some keto keto thing in in the in the blood all the time. Ketoacidosis difference from the, this ketosis what we are getting from the food or the diet is in that sense that these people don't have insulin at all. They don't have any insulin, and when they 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 don't take their insulin and they start to eat. So the body can't use any carbohydrates or sugar at all. So that makes the whole blood very sticky. And the same time, when all the time, the, the, every cells need some energy all the time. So the body changes the system and start, try to make the energy from the fat and that the keto, keto comes in the picture. But the key issue is the high sugar, not the keto issue. But together they make acidosis in the blood and that means disturbance in the mineral content of the blood and that is a life-threatening thing. But no one gets any ketoacidosis with this diet if there is insulin at the stage. These people who don't have insulin, they have to take their insulin, but they can manage a, a fraction of that, what is the normal amount of it. But the most problem is this, they use the insulin now for a diabetic 2 type, and that's, I mean, it's crime because they, do, they have a, too much insulin in their blood. And why to give excess of the insulin? Yeah, it's the crazy. only problem would I say to people when they start this kind of diet, if they have insulin, that they have to be cautious their insulin because they can, it can go too low, the blood sugar when they start to think if they have too much insulin. Mm. So mm. it's I I say it's uh, during the diet, you have to decrease the amount of the insulin. And normally, if the patient is diabetes 2 type and they have insulin, they get rid of the whole insulin from two to seven days in a week time at least, not more. But these diabetes 1 types, they they can get it low amount in in the week at the same time, but they use the the insulin. But, But that's... I mean, it's, there is a lot of kind of propaganda in that sense that I think it's the most biggest crime is to use the insulin that amount for for the diabetes 2 patients, not the diabetes 1. Yeah. Okay. But, okay, but type 1, could they at some point stop taking insulin? I mean, the, the, yeah, we should probably just, distinguish the two. The type 1 is where it's so damaged that you're not producing any of your own? Insulin, is that correct? Look, look, there is a very few patients which has, which has no insulin at all. Okay. But there's, a, there's a, always a little bit production. So I have got patients which, which can live, they are type 1 insulin, uh, insulin patients, which can live, uh, live uh, without insulin when they they are on this diet because they don't need so much insulin because there is not sugar at the place. Mm-hmm. But 
nowadays there are increasing number of the people who get late onset of diabetes in 30s or 40s. That's the type 1, which is autoimmune disease. This is connected with gluten. And I always recommend that to take grains away, all these diabetes 1 patients, because this is the cause of, of this autoimmunity. Especially North Europeans, they are very sensitive to grains, and I think the quite majority of the American people are also sensitive to grains. I mean, it's if there is diabetes or autoimmunity disease in the family, it's best to avoid all grains, and it's it's very beneficial. I, there is one study published uh, patient story which uh, was happened in in Copenhagen they published in the British Medical Journal it was a seven years old boy who got diabetes one and the same time they found out that he has a keliakic and they put him on the non-grain diet and he recovered totally he he lives normal life now And I have a, a few patients. I, I will also write some kind of patient story to British Medical Journal, but they are 30s now. And they, they had this kind of reaction, for example. The one 30, she's something like 32 years old, female. In her family, it's a lot of all kind of autoimmunity disease, but not diabetes. And she got this diabetes guy suddenly. Came to see me because she knew that I'm a kind of strange guy. And we we started this diet. And she she has lived now more than a year without insulin. And all this, uh, we can measure the production of the insulin by indirectly measured the C-peptide. That's Do you think the, it would that, work? Do you yeah. think it would work the same with somebody who has had diabetes type one for yeah. a long, long time, or is it only when you catch it at the beginning? I, I don't have any experience for that from patients who has had, had it a long time, but but they have. I have written some text about it. It has been theory. Theory. Theory shows that it's possible, but I am not sure about it because I haven't not met this kind of patient. Mm-hmm. But these uh, newly incidents, I have a couple of them, and they have recovered only by, by this diet. But the, there's two sides of the diet. You have to reduce the amount of the sugar and the carb, carbs in the, because this pushes the, uh, the, uh, the insulin too much. It's it's a it's it's a stressing factor. Another is the grains, which is cause for autoimmunity and a reaction for that. And then I smoothed it by using quite a lot of uh, vitamin D3 because it's it supports the immune system also. Um, Doctor Ante, we have a, a question from our chat room. It's a short one. Uh, it's about Ebola. Yeah, and uh, is there any relationship between uh, Ebola and uh, or any potential protective um, 
aspects to a keto diet for something like Ebola? Uh, I don't have any experience about it. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, so far, anyway. Yeah. But it, theoretically, look, I mean... Uh, basically, I, uh, I don't speak about the theories. I speak about my experience. Okay. And, and so it's, I, I have no idea about it. But in a general sense, does a low-carb diet protect against uh, kind of a host of viral infections? I mean, we, we have experience of, uh, of when cutting out carbs or cutting, reducing carbs a lot that and other people we know also say that uh, they tend to get less colds, less flus. Yeah, that's so, true. Yes, it's, it's very – because the sugar destroys the, or disturbs the immune system. Uh-huh. And another place is the guts, you know, the healthy uh, uh, bacteria. So if you eat a lot of uh, starch and uh, sugar, you know, they create a pathological bacteria in the guts. And that's the basic reason that uh, things go wrongly. But in this diet, you know, you get extremely good bacteria in your guts. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then you don't have to eat it because they just start to build up by themselves, you know. Yeah, you say in your book that sixty uh, percent of uh, of our immune system is essentially located in in our guts. Or yeah, that's true. Yes, that's you know it's uh, it's difficult to how, say how much, but about uh, yeah. about sixty percent. Some people say it's seventy, but I'm a modest guy. I say sixty. <laughs> okay, but it's uh, it's. It's a vital importance, and I mean, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a, you have to see it's a broad, uh, by broader aspect because it's a, it's a, if you eat the sugar, it's a, it's a, not only the question that how it increases the blood levels sugar content, but it also disturbs your immune system and your guts and uh, your your protective bacteria and everything. It's you know, it's a, it's a it's a huge amount, you know. It's, mm-hmm. And that's how it's, uh, this complicated issue always interests me because if you put the mind together, because the mind is in the first your immune system also. If you are stressed, your know, immune system goes down and so, and that's just been shown. So it's, uh, they say that your guts is playing, it's a secondary brain, they say, it's mm-hmm. because there are same kind of a nervous system that you have in the brains. But it's 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 really really interesting, you know. It's, uh... Well, something um, we're, we're, everyone here can testify to, you know, a whole host of things clearing up once we've gone ketogenic uh, and having more energy and a clearer mind and, and everything. But there's still some resistance. There's still some issues, of course, that pop up, and so we try to experiment here and there. With, mainly we're trying to increase the fat intake because we've been researching and finding that basically the higher it is, the better. Um, and this is not as easy as it seems. So what, what could you suggest for people? We, we tried something recently. We called it the fat bomb, where we tried to take as much fat as possible next to the protein we eat every day in the form yeah. of usually butter. We experimented with coconut cream, coconut yeah. oil. Yeah. 
and lard. But and yeah, lard. so how would you how would you uh, do? You have a recommendation for how people can get, for example, uh, this figure of more than sixty percent of their intake from fat. I mean, how do you go about that? You know, I'm a, I use a little bit political tactics in that because what I have done is I have di- divided the food in th- three categories. There is animal food and there is uh, low-carb plants and high-carb plants. And I said it's it's mathematics. It's, it's, uh, this uh, diet works well if it's lower than 60 grams of carbohydrates a day. I found it, it works like that. You don't have to go to ketogenic to get results in the diabetes, but it's rounding to 60 grams. It varies you know, individually, but uh, I'm not so strict in that. I said, it's, let's look at the mathematics. If you take the animal food, it's nothing to do with the carbohydrates. There is some carbohydrates in animal food, but we don't count it. Mm-hmm. I said it's, you have to be careful with the plants and only choose these uh, non-starchy plants. And I show them in the paper. I have written down and notes to them to take at home. And I said, if you take a piece of bread, so with one bread, it's 100 grams of bread, which is not a big piece. It can give you 60 grams of the carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. That's off. You know, it's you just that's your meal today. Yeah. <laughs> and then I take these uh, uh, non-starchy vegetables, for example, cola or cursivera ferros vegetables. And if you take the cabbage, you take one kilogram of cabbage, you get the 20 grams of carbohydrates. You can eat three, three kilos, I said. It's not, you can eat so much that no one eats so much about this. Uh-huh. So then I say that eat healthy fats, and I mean natural fats, animal fats, butter, olive oil, but good quality olive oil and coconut oil. And don't be afraid about the fats. And I said that if you feel hungry, you can increase the fat. I don't speak about the amount of the fat. Uh-huh. But if you follow them a little bit longer away, a couple of months, they eat about the diet, what you are talking about. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's, they have been so scared about the fat, you know. But in Sweden, they use... LCF what is a low carb high fat food I don't know why they use this kind of uh, name it's why they don't speak about low carb food because it's the ketogenic low carb food what, what is whatsoever because when, I have met a lot of people who don't lose their weight because they are eating too much calories by fat uh-huh. That's the, you know, they get mixed up. They believe that they can eat one kilo of the fat. You know? uh-huh. they, they believe that, you know, when they are in ketosis, they can get thinner, even though they eat uh, 5,000 kilocalories. That's nonsense. So there has to be a balance between the amount of fat and the caloric intake, intake if one is aiming at losing weight. 
And there also has to be a limit in the amount of protein one eats, right? Because yeah, otherwise it can turn into sugar. Yeah, that's true. And, and I mean, it's, I think the excess protein is always there. It's not healthy. I mean, it it's, uh, stresses your liver and all the, all the things, you know, because there is no rest uh, store for extra protein in our body. There's only fat and a little bit space for sugar, but not for uh, protein. But I think it's, you know, it's, uh, I use these plates, it, the model of the plates, I used to show them a huge amount of vegetables and there's a beef steak, a piece of chicken or fish or something like that. And use the olive oil and butter and so. If you make a food, use butter and so. And there is no need to take excess of the fat. Uh, and they must be a little bit cautious about the fat. I mean, it's, I've seen the patients. Not, there is a lot of patients who can do it, but, but there is a lot of patients who cannot do it. Get, they get easily mixed up. Because the most, if you want to get changed in their lives, I have been thinking that you have to be very, give them the, the very simple rules to follow. And I said, don't think about anything else than count your carbs. Uh-huh. That's the because there is no good or bad carbs. There is only the amount of the carbs. That's the basic. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, Dr. Auntie, we have a, a question from uh, someone in our chat room again that says, um, question is, do you know what ESBL is? No. What is that? I looked it up, and I think it's uh, extended spectrum B lactamases. Are you? Yeah. Uh, so the, the actual question is: um, uh, Do you have any pointers for patients who have developed ESBL as a result of conditions that require continual anti- antibiotics? No, I, I I don't have any experience about them. Okay. So I, I don't. I don't have it. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. But I think what we're saying here is that no matter what anybody's condition is, that uh, there's a good chance that eating too many carbs, too much sugar, and too much sugar is uh, is a bad idea. So that the first step in anything, no matter what it is, really, should be to reduce the carbs in your diet. Yeah, and if you've taken antibiotics for a very long time and developed a condition, it's probably because your gut is destroyed. So in any case, it's going to help. That's 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 true, but basically I recommend it to all patients uh-huh. who are kind of uh, any any disease at all. But in autonomic uh, no the autoimmunity, I, I recommend also the grainless food, yeah. not gluten free because if you go to store and they say this is gluten free, there's always a little bit of gluten in it mm-hmm. because it's uh, authorities allowed to sell some stuff which is gluten-free, but they are not totally gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I'm corn or rice. That, you know, I'm absolutely strict in that sense. And I said, it's, uh, forget all grains if you are some sensitivity to them. You know, it's, But well, there's also the grain type of the food which can mimic all sorts of things. And that's why I said it's better to go on in this type of diet that you let all 
away these 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 high carb food. So it's there's all kind of grains, rice and whatsoever. You know. So we have another question um, about honey or maple syrup. Does the fact that yeah. they have high amount of sugar outweigh their health benefits? Do they have any no. health benefits? No, I, I think it's we come back. It's if you put a lot of kind of uh, vitamins, uh, vital stuff in the, in the sugar source, it doesn't make it any any, any better. better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's it's I mean it's a. Uh, and especially the honey, it's a fructose. Basically, mm-hmm. it's a powerful fructose. And nowadays, it's very, very common, to, especially to women that have the fat, liver fat, fat disease, non-alcoholic liver fat disease, which is caused by sugar, or especially the fructose. Mm-hmm. So I don't recommend it at all. Honey is for bees. Yeah, it's let them eat that. Because <laughs> Or I live in the country where we have bears. They like it. Yeah, let the bears eat the honey. <laughs> it's not. It's not far from where I live. There is a bear. We have to, you know, be careful about him. Uh huh. Just a small. Now they have waking up. It's a long winter. They have been sleeping. <laughs> yeah. I read somewhere that um, once your keto adapted. Yeah. you require less vitamin C and, in fact, can stop supplementing it. Now, in your book, you recommend to stick with a daily dose of at least 1,000 micrograms uh, milligrams. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's uh, I was a great fan of the Linus Pauling and Matthias Rath because in the 70s, I was in, uh, in the New York. I met a psych- uh, psychiatric... Richard Ribner, and he was uh, familiar with the nutrition and mental diseases. He, he just used, used food as a treatment for mental problems, not at all medicines. He was a quite strange guy, but he was a friend of the of the Abraham Hoffer, who was a Canadian psychiatrist who used this kind of methods to treating mental illness by the way but i i think it's a, this is the common sense that we have lost the ability to make our own C, vitamin c so i yeah. think it's it's relevant to take some replacement and another thing it's because especially in finland we live in quite north so we, there's no sun and especially i think the most of the people are lacking the vitamin d also and it's the vitamin d utmost very very important for in health in general and i i recommend it to take it it's a quite large amount of it but it's uh, that's the basic vitamin so there is a kind of a lot of uh, some something else and in germany they have used this uh, alpha lipoic acid yeah which is antioxidant. It's very good stuff, and I recommend it for diabetics because it balances the blood sugar, but it prevents these damages what sugar makes in the body, and that's what the Germans has done decades. And I think that's all. If you choose the vegetables and 
natural food, you know, you get all the other stuff from there in in the natural resources. And uh, I mean, it's uh, these high carb food; they just contains anything else than energy. But the vegetables there is rich of all kind of things. For example. Cabbage has six different kind of chemicals, which is good for breast cancer and prevents it. So why not we don't use these kind of stuff? Yeah. Okay, Doctor uh, Doctor Antti, we are um, we're kind of running out of time here. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so we probably we're probably going to end it here. It's been really good chatting to you. Um, yeah. And. I think you're doing great work and you should, uh, far from being condemned and attacked by the, the Finnish uh, Medical Association, you should be given some kind of an award, as far as I'm concerned. Um, well, maybe his reward is that he is attacked. In, well, in times of universal deceit, yeah, these telling days, the truth is a revolutionary act. Exactly. So I think that is your reward, <laughs> I'm afraid. But for our yeah. listeners... For our listeners, uh, he, he's written a, Dr. Ante has written a very good book, and it's, like I mentioned, it's also very good, a very good book to give to people who are just you know, starting out with these ideas or to family members who know nothing about it. It's very accessible, very, easily, uh, very easy to read, and it's got a lot of very good information. So it's called Nutrition Therapy for Diabetes, and it's available on Amazon.com. So, Dr. Ante, thank you very much once again for okay. joining us. Thank you very no, much. Thank you. Yes. Okay. And good luck with your work. <laughs> thank, thank you. Keep the faith. And stay strong okay. and don't eat carbs. <laughs> we <laughs> don't need to tell him that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you, doctor. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, that was cool. An anarchist doctor. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how we saw him um, he, he speaks like he writes. In his book, he just says it. <laughs> he says, "I'm fed up with the lies." Here's it's really, the truth. it's really, it's really useful because it, it, he repeats the same thing, but not in the same way. And he gives plenty of examples of uh, case studies of people yeah, who people have, had, have radical kind of changes just from Change getting diet. the carbs out of their diet. You know, and I mean, of course, the average person these days is eating maybe seventy percent or more. Uh, every day of their food intake is carbohydrates, which is basically sugar. And the, whole, the basic idea here is that insulin is released into your body to remove sugar from your blood because uh, too much sugar in your blood will kill you very quickly. So it's a defensive mechanism for your body to get rid of the sugar. But insulin, when it's produced and activated within your body too often, is actually damaging. It can kind of damage the, the, the walls of your arteries and cause all sorts of uh, inflammation within your body. And the answer is simple. And this, this, this process causes all of these diseases. It's associated with all of these modern diseases, heart disease, arthritis, you know, a host of diseases. And the answer is so simple. It's just get off the carb stick, you know, stop. I mean, they're addictive, but, you know, what do you want? Do you want, do you want to be a diabetic? Do you want to die early of heart disease, you want to get arthritis, you know, uh, it's just a choice and it's hard, but you got to push through it. It's your own health and it's in your hands to take responsibility for it and uh, and make sure you live to a ripe old age. Yeah, it's like any addiction. I mean, if you, you can continue doing something that is self-destructive or you can actually stop and finally have some self-respect 
and want to do something better with your life and find ways to cope with it. And one of them is managing your diet better. Mm -hmm. What you put into your body. I mean, it seems so simple in the end. You know, this is, I mean, people think about, you know, you know, external effects on their health and stuff, you know, breathing, you know, smoke or even smoking and stuff. Uh, and, and all sorts of dangers in the world that can end your life, like walking in front of a bus, but they never think about the idea that what are you putting through the inside of your body every single day of your life? What no, is it that's going in there, and what is it, it doing? Because and if it's all that's, sanctioned. If it's that's sanctioned not, from on high. Well, exactly, but, it, I mean, it's so simple. I mean, if, I mean, this is, you're talking about the inside of your body, the, the vital uh, organs within your body are being used and, and, and processing food every day. So what is it? Question. What is it? What is in the food that you're putting in the body? Is it full of chemicals? What are these chemicals? Are they good for us? Could they be causing any disease? Well, yeah, of course they could. I mean, it's not rocket science, but it's been made into rocket science by the modern medicine. You know, it's like, you know, oh, you silly, silly people. And I like that's why I was laughing earlier on. I like the distinction uh, Juliana made between uh, doctors and humans. She said, you know, it's, it's, this kind of information is denied to doctors and humans. <laughs> I think she meant to say and sort of non-doctors. I know what she meant, Brilliant. but it was funny. You know, it was a nice distinction. You know, because doctors really aren't human. Exactly. Well, sorry to all the doctors out there, but you know, all the evil doctors, you're not human. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I've met a lot of doctors in my life, and most of them really aren't. I mean, they're machines. They're trained monkeys. You know, they went through their years of... of um, medical school and all they did was learn how to regurgitate facts and figures and you know look at a chart to compare symptoms to come to a diagnosis and they're just trained monkeys yeah. you know, robots the, most technical professions have become that way well you yeah. almost rather have a monkey treat you than mm-hmm. a, a doctor you know yeah, pretty much yeah. <laughs> probably do a little at least he'd make you laugh <laughs> i don't know because bananas are pretty carby but oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. your bananas. eat these but that's why it's the more surprising when a doctor says the things he just said. Yeah. Because, I mean, come on, you, you did like 10 years of study. You had like maybe 10 hours of you know, one lecture here or there about nutrition. You believe what you're preaching because they're preaching, basically. Right. And then to come around and say, no, this is all lies. You know, you should eat fat, which is the complete opposite. Mm. You should pay attention to your diet. You should not take drugs. I mean, can you imagine the the revolution that a doctor has to go through? Well, actually, I mean, it's as, as much as people, but people are kind of, you know, they do what they're told to mm-hmm. do. But these people are the ones that are preaching. Well, I've noticed that recently it's finally dawning on people and finally uh, some light is being shed on the the very negative effects of carbs, in particular mm-hmm. sugar. If you look on the web, go on Google or something for, you know, look at the news and put in, you know, sugar and health or something, you'll see a lot of actual mainstream articles citing medical reports now that are saying, actually, it's not fat that causes heart disease. Oh, yeah. It's sugar. Sugar is the evil thing. And more and more you're seeing sugar, sugar, sugar is evil. So, I mean, at least that provides some opportunity for uh, the average person to kind of cite official sources that are actually saying what we've been saying and what people like Dr. Andy have been saying for years, which is that sugar and carbs are evil and fat is actually good for you. Yeah. Or they're at least saying that fat isn't the problem. Sugar's the problem. They don't go so far as to say fat's good. And the same article you'll find, or same study, you'll find uh, them saying sugar's evil, but uh, so is fat. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that kind of reminds me, again, because I always harp on the whole science is just another kind of religion thing. Bill Altawire wrote a book, uh, Amazing Conversions, where he's talking about uh, people who've converted from kind of an atheistic belief system to Christianity or 
you know, or vice versa, or vice versa, come from Christianity. And he says that inbuilt in the system of Christianity is its own downfall, the the belief of an absolute truth, which is kind of the fundamental thing of science. And when a person who is a Christian suddenly begins to put the doctrine to the test of how true is it, they find, well, it doesn't really mirror the world that I live in, so therefore it can't be the inerrant word of God. Built into science, the ideas of the scientific method of avoiding logical fallacies and all of this different stuff is the mechanism for what this doctor has done or what other doctors do of getting away from the dogmatic uh, un- sort of false science that has been passed off recently. Um, because as a general rule, empirical positivist science is supposed to be, you know, is supposed to rule. But what we're looking at here is a bunch of scientists who represent a, a version of reality that simply doesn't measure up. I mean, since this whole low-fat, high-carb, yay vegetarianism, yay veganism stuff has gone hap- gone, uh, come about, or we see this massive rise in all of these different diseases, all of these unspecified diseases, IBS and all this stuff, autoimmune diseases, and uh, diabetes. People going mad. People literally losing their mind. <laughs> People going mad. I mean, look at Alzheimer's disease. It came out of nowhere, and it's just gone up and up and up. And we know for a fact that one of the causes of Alzheimer's diseases is basically a lack of good fat. You know, I mean, because your brain is made up of what? Fat. If you don't eat it, of course your brain's going to deteriorate because it's not getting what it needs. And so built into science actually is the mechanism for this revolution. The whole, I believe in the scientific method and empirical results and the current way of doing things that is manipulated by big agro and big pharma is not getting any results at all. It's basically making things worse. Well, it's making them money. It's making them lots of them. money, but... That's and it may go it may go both ways. I mean, we don't know. There's people who could. I mean, there's also the potential for anger in people. Like the, mm-hmm. like Dr. Andrew was saying, you know, people get really really mad when they discover how much they've been lied to. The problem is that, I mean, I don't know how it's going to go because as as at the same time as you read the article saying, you know, sugar is not uh, sugar is a culprit, is not too much fat or whatever. Uh, recently, there's been also articles about how, how, for example, aspartame is not so bad. Right. So I think, you know, it's the time for people who really saw the contradiction to say something and to not be sucked in by the next lie that comes along, you know, because they're going to try to cover their tracks. Right. So if people don't get mad right now and say, you know, talk to others and say, no, you have <coughs> cholesterol, forget about it. You know, it's all a yeah. lie. You have then... Within, you know, next month, there'll be new lives. Mm. This is part and parcel of rebuilding your immune system. Right. Psychological defense against lies. It's not just that you'll change your diet and that's it. Dr. Ranti says it's a lifestyle change. And part of the reason it's so hard for people is because while I can give them very, very simple instructions, it's extremely difficult for them because there's so much emotion, stale emotions attached to the way things have always been for them. Well, there's a kind of a cultural conspiracy that is kind of, I wouldn't say conspiracy, in a certain sense it is a conspiracy. I mean, you know, like if you, if you cut out bread, it really makes it difficult for you to go over to somebody's house and eat or eat out with them 
because they like if you invite them over to your house and you don't have any bread, like they start to freak out. Like it's cra- It's like it's like watching a crack addict. Hmm. The, what do you mean there's no bread? But we have to. I mean they'll run they, in the middle of dinner. They'll stop and think somebody's got to go to the store and get some bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where's the wine or biscuits? I mean, they freak out. So there's there's this sort of this cultural pressure that surrounds people that is the thing that makes it the most difficult, and also the fact that you can't go to the store. It's not easy. To just go to the store and find high fat uh, products, it's almost impossible actually, mm. because all the products on the store shelves advertise low fat, skim. I mean, if you want to, I mean, it's 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 everything is about high sugar, high carbs, low fat, and ease of convenience. And ease of convenience. And if you so, want a high fat meal, you'd have to work for it. Mm. Yeah, if you want a high fat meal, I, and there's people going around talking about we should have a fat tax. They want to tax things like butter and and high fat foods, and it's just like. It's really, it's like living in sort of like a Bible Belt fundamentalist Christian, you know, sort of environment. Uh, it's like that scene from, from Donnie Darko where the, where the mother's in the meeting about whether or not they should ban a, ban book, a book by Graham Greene. And she's, <laughs> I mean, it's like this surrealistic thing about banning this piece of literature. And she's like, do you even know who Graham Greene is? And then she's like, I think we've all seen Bonanza. <laughs> You know, yeah. and that's the kind of world that you live in. There's people who are, who are not only ignorant, they're in error. You know, I mean, if someone was ignorant, it would be just good. Oh, I just don't know. Yeah. But it's the people who know and so much. They, they, they speak the language of, of liberalism, well, which has, at its core has individual freedom. But will they will deny it, the very, that very thing to everyone. Yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, ah, it's it's very infuriating actually when you yeah. think about it. These these type of people who are um, who are who are just going in the opposite direction as uh, as objective reality, which is basically that fat is good for you. It is what you were evolved to live off of, um, and plants and and most vegetable matter and sugars. I I say that all vegetables are sugar because all carbohydrates are sugar. That's what it's going to turn into in your body. You know, when you tell somebody don't eat sugar and they say, well, I don't. And they'll be sitting there chowing down on a piece of bread and you have to kind of explain to them the basic idea that a carbohydrate is a sugar. It goes into a vat of acid in your stomach, gets broken down in constituent parts. Those parts are then either reassembled or consumed as sugars. That's basically what it is. Yeah, whether it's low sugar or <laughs> whatever. It's fast okay. sugar. It's a sugar. Well, you know, yeah. the, you know the way that they, um, you know, if you smoke these days uh, at bars, whatever, you have to go outside. Or even if you go to someone's house and you smoke, they send you out to the porch or outside. Yeah. You know, they smoke in people's houses because, you know, smoking's going to kill you and kill everybody in the house immediately. You right. know, <laughs> it's like trying, it's like bringing a freaking, you know, gas bomb into the house, you know, right. get that out of here. Well, I think that all, all the people who are on, uh, you know, low-carb diets and keto diets uh, that have their own houses and have friends come over uh, or family members come over and uh, demand kind of like, where's the bread? What do you mean you don't have any bread? Well, you can maybe keep some bread or if they bring their own bread, uh, you should tell them to go out in the porch and use it. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't want to see it. Take that bread out of here. I, I don't know if I... I How about we call... Well, just to give them an idea, you know. Well, it's a twisted golden rule. Do, do unto others what has been done unto you kind of thing. Well, you know, yeah, it's you temporary. Yeah, you can say that uh, passive carb eating yeah. is very dangerous, you know, <laughs> just having it carbs. on the table. Absolutely. Yeah, secondhand I carbs. smelled that secondhand. carbohydrate. Do you know how long I worked to get over my addiction and you're waving that thing in my face? Exactly. You're waving that piece of bread in my face, <laughs> planting it. So anyway, um, I think we're going to leave it there for the night, folks. Um, 
it's been good, but uh, all the good things must come to an end. So uh, we will be back next week. Thanks to our callers and our chatters. And uh, I think I'm going to leave you with uh, a song rather than an outro, a standard outro, a little song that's quite relevant. Uh, so until next week, um, you'll have a good one. And we'll be back. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's